Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQBD in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, a new CDC study finds that the effectiveness of vaccines since the Delta variant took hold slipped from 90% to 66%. We look at what this means, the continuing need for fast vaccine uptake, and the role full FDA approval of the Pfizer vaccine might play. Then doctors and scientists have been saying for some time that it's unlikely we'll eradicate COVID-19, but rather learn to control it, like the flu. The Delta variant, writes Ed Young, has now made that outcome unavoidable. Young joins us to talk about why COVID-19 will be a recurring part of our lives. That's next on Forum. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We've had a sense for weeks now, with breakthrough cases showing up in fully vaccinated people, that the vaccines are less effective against the Delta variant. Well, a new CDC study has put a number on that. They're about 66% effective against COVID-19 infection, compared to 90% earlier this year. We're joined now by Dr. Robert Wachter, professor and chair in the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. Dr. Wachter, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure, Mina. Thanks for having me on. Glad to have you on. And also, listeners, of course, you can join by posting your comments on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum or emailing us forum at kqed.org. So, Dr. Walker, what does 66% effectiveness mean? How sick will people get who've been vaccinated? Yeah, it's a good news and bad news story. And the bad news part, I think we've already known, which is that the original efficacy of the vaccines, if you remember in November when it got reported out as 95%, is no longer holding in the face of Delta and probably some waning of immunity as time goes on for people that got their vaccinations uh, a, a while back. That's the bad news. So it is more likely than it was uh, six months ago that if you're exposed to COVID with this new variant, the Delta variant, that you will get a case of COVID. You will have a symptomatic infection. What is holding up quite well, it is it is it has slipped a little bit, but nowhere near to the same degree, is the vaccine's protection against you getting very sick, going to the hospital, going on an ice to an ICU, or dying. That number still is very high, and the same CDC study came out and said that the uh, the probability of someone needing to be hospitalized from COVID was 29 times higher if you're unvaccinated than if you're vaccinated. So there's still every reason in the world to be vaccinated and every reason in the world, if you're not vaccinated, to be very, very careful and to be a little bit scared. You mentioned when people were vaccinated. Do we know for sure that it's Delta's transmissibility and not the length of time since vaccination that contributed to the vaccine's waning effectiveness? 
it's it's a surprisingly difficult uh, thing to 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 sort out epidemiologically. It really seems like both of these are th- are going on that the hmm. that the efficacy of the vaccines, even in people who got the vaccine relatively recently, is less in the face of Delta. Delta, the you know people talk about the um, the analogy of the umbrella, and Delta is a is a much bigger rainstorm than. Uh, than the prior virus was. So it's testing the vaccine more and failing um, more often, even if you got your shots fairly recently. But at the same time, you see a waning in efficacy for people that got their shots more than about six months ago. So it's really two things happening at the same time. And I should probably clarify that when we say shots, we mean Pfizer, we mean Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. So though most of the study participants did receive Pfizer, a vast majority of them, in saying that, do you think then that this strengthens the case for boosters? I think it does. Um, it, 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 it cuts a number of different ways. Does a healthy 30-year-old who is at very low risk of hospitalization and death from COVID before we had vaccines, does that person need to, to, to run out to the pharmacy and try to get a booster today? And the answer is no. And the answer may be not even for for many months. I think eventually we'll all need boosters, but in the short term, someone who was at low risk for a bad outcome is at somewhat higher risk of getting a case of COVID than they were, uh, but but still at much lower risk since they're vaccinated than they would be if they're unvaccinated and remains at super low risk of getting a severe case, getting hospitalized and dying from it. For someone who is more likely to be vulnerable, who is more likely to have a bad outcome. There are a couple of things that are going on at the same time. One is for older people, many of them got their shots early. So so they are in the group along with healthcare workers that got their shots seven or eight months ago. So if there's waning efficacy, that's gonna hit them first. The second is their immune reserve and the amount of immunity they got from, uh, from the vaccines is less than if you have a younger immune system. And the third is if you do get COVID, uh, the same case that might make a 30-year-old feel crummy for a couple of days might lay you up in a bigger way. Your, your risk of a bad outcome is much higher. So the the case for boosters, I think, is quite strong for immunocompromised people uh, and for older people. And I think it's going to grow stronger for people that got their vaccines more than six or eight months ago. But I, I don't think that we're talking about boosters for everybody now, and I don't think it's necessary in the short term for people at low risk. But I do think the case for boosters and people at higher risk is 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 growing stronger. You have noted, along with other doctors, that the new full FDA approval of the Pfizer vaccine, it gives doctors new powers to prescribe boosters, I guess, so-called off-label before maybe they are eligible. Is this something that worries you? A little bit. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's a little bit of deja vu from the early days of vaccines, uh, you know, seven or eight months ago, where you started having, a, there was an orderly process that was supposed to be in place for who went first, who went second, who went third. But you had a fair amount of line jumping. And I worry about that in terms of equity, that the person who's most likely to call his or her doctor and say, wink, wink, can you get me a booster today, might be someone who has access to a doctor and and, and kind of knows how to work the system. And that feels unfair. So I think that people should wait for their turn to get a booster. I think for 
older people who got their vaccines more than eight months ago, uh, their turn will come up in, in, in about a month. And I think it's reasonable to, uh, to wait for that. For immunocompromised people, they're eligible today. And I, because we know in them, it's not even just a matter that the booster, that the, the vaccines worked incredibly well and now have slipped a little bit. For some of them, the vaccines really never took because their immune system uh, didn't allow it. There's good evidence that for them getting a third shot may boost up their immune system uh, to be effective against the vaccine. So they should do that today. But for the rest of us, I'd prefer if people wait for a more orderly process of getting their vaccines. And certainly, again, for a 30 or 40 year old healthy person to, to jump the line by calling the doctor just doesn't feel like the right thing to do because they certainly need the booster much, much, much less than other groups who are more vulnerable. We're talking with Dr. Bob Walker, professor and chair in the Department of Medicine at the University of California, San Francisco. And let me go to some listener questions, if I could. This listener writes, regarding pediatricians prescribing the vax off-label to kids with asthma or other conditions that increase COVID risk. On one hand, it would allow families of vulnerable kids to relax a bit and resume school and life. On the other hand, it raises big equity issues because it seems to depend on having a good relationship with your doctor. What do you think about the fact that doctors could use off-label prescribing to give vaccines to kids under 12? Yeah, I, I guess I'd raise another issue, Mina, which is, is that we actually don't know for sure what the right dose is for little kids. And so un, in addition to the equity and fairness and line jumping issue, you actually have an issue that you might get it wrong, that you actually might make a clinical mistake by giving too high or as it turns out, maybe even too low a dose. And so I understand the the pressure and the stress that parents are under thinking that through. Uh, it is worth talking to your doctor if you have a particularly vulnerable kid, uh, but, but I, the recommendation from the CDC and the FDA, and I agree with, is not to do that, to do everything you can with masking and other uh, other techniques, including making sure everybody who's in contact with the kids are vaccinated to keep the kids safe. But I think if we knew for sure what the right dose was, that it might be more of a toss up because we really don't know what the right dose is. I think it's the wrong thing to do. Uh, Ted writes, Marin County's health officer says his county has reached a plateau that the surge in new COVID-19 cases there has leveled off. When do you think that will be true for the rest of the Bay Area? As we know, Dr. Walker, the Bay Area has had very good numbers with regard to vaccine uptake. Yeah, already happened in San Francisco. And, and I think for most of the, the Bay, it's not only leveled off, it's actually started coming down. So here's the story for San Francisco as one example in the Bay. Uh, on June 1st, we were averaging 10 cases a day in the entire city of San Francisco, a city of 900,000 people. And people like me and others uh, really thought we might be looking at the end game. Uh, we really didn't recognize how much of a threat Delta was going to be. About a month later, we'd gone from 10 cases a day in the city to 300 cases a day, so a 30-fold increase in the number of cases. Uh, that number is down now to about 180. So it's not time to take off the mass. That's still far more cases than is safe and that, that we had a, a couple of months ago. Delta is so incredibly uh, transmissible that unless we get back down to, to very, very low levels of cases, I still think it's very important that people be careful. And I think if people look at the, the decrease in cases and say, okay, I can become less careful, I think there's every possibility the cases will turn around and start going up again. That's what they saw in the UK. The UK had a 
huge spike in cases about a month, six weeks ago. They started coming down very rapidly. People said, oh, you know, we're in good shape. They started becoming less careful. The cases plateaued and started going up again. But I do think we are seeing in the Bay Area the combination of, of careful behavior as we've, we've uh, really been a national poster child for doing the right thing, following the science and paying attention, and we've had good leadership, and the fact that we are the most vaccinated uh, area in the country. I think we're seeing the impact of that. Now, you might say, you know, we have so many people got vaccinated, we still see a surge. Yes, we saw a surge, but the number of people in our hospitals is relatively small. They're not overwhelmed. And we're starting to see a downturn in cases where other parts of the country that are less vaccinated are still seeing cases uh, going up at, at levels five or six times what we're seeing. So mm. it is really terrific that we achieved the level of vaccination that we achieved. And it's partly why we're not seeing a terrible surge now. Although what the surge did show is how much worse Delta was than the original virus. Because if we were dealing with the original virus, the level of vaccination that we have today, I believe would have been enough that we would not have seen a surge at all. Well, you're answering in some ways my last question, which is based on what we know now about Delta, the vaccine effectiveness, if there is anything we need to be doing differently to protect kids and the immunocompromised, I mean, certainly be on guard, but what would you really emphasize and stress for people just in terms of you know their precautions and behaviors? Yeah, I mean, I've got, I think universal masking inside is the right call, even if you're fully vaccinated. Uh, I think the things that we can do for the kids are universal masking and surrounding them with the people that they come in contact with who can be vaccinated, all should be vaccinated, as well as some of the things we've learned about the schools, including the role of ventilation. There are things that we can do to keep these environments safe, but the, the, the greatest contribution to their safety is not only surrounding them with people who have a low probability of having the virus, but doing everything we can to decrease the amount of virus in our community. So having people continue to get vaccinated is really the key. Dr. Walter, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis. From KQED Podcasts comes On Our Watch Season 2. New Folsom. A story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.